Hello, and welcome to Peter Pan Man Dan, a podcast about fatherhood. I'm Dan, a screenwriter and first-time father, and these are my adventures. This is a special two-part episode, and is called From Peter Pan Man Dan to Dad, and is about the birth of my son. Part 1 Nine months feels like a long time when you're preparing for one event especially if it's your first time experiencing that event. When things are new, our brains have to think more, which works to slow down time, making it seem like you're living at half speed, like you're running through mud, or stuck on a never-ending flight next to some gross dude who brought Shake Shack on the airplane and assumes other people can't smell his post-burger farts. Meredith and I were entering the 39th week of her pregnancy, Our little baking buddy seemed like he was going to take his sweet-ass time coming out. We were thinking that it'd go very close to the due date of July 21st, the full 40 weeks. The anticipation was killing us, time moving even slower as we got closer to the 21st. We had all the baby accessories and gear ready to go. The bassinet, a closet full of onesies and swaddles, Breastfeeding pillows, bottles, pacifiers, sterilization machines. We had boppies and mamaroos, a Peg Perego car seat stroller combo, and other devices it seemed like Dr. Seuss had named. We had finally read the books, taken the classes, collected advice from friends willing to share. We just needed the baby. I kept telling anyone who got stuck listening to me talk about the pregnancy that it felt like preparing for an exam. At some point, you get sick of studying and just want to take the goddamn test, even if you might get a B-. Over the weekend of July 10th, I somewhat joyously engaged in the last batch of Peter Pan Man Dan activities. It was as if I was taking my old, childish life for one last spin. I slept in. I went for long jogs. I watched an ungodly amount of sports. I drove to Trader Joe's just so I could buy a bag of buffalo beef jerky. I FaceTimed with friends and cracked dick jokes. I started a one-week free stars trial so I could watch Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and White Men Can't Jump. Hell, I had so much free time that I even ran a few fantasy football mock drafts. I had gotten it all out of my system. I was ready. Well, in the early hours of Tuesday, July 13th, 2021, I got my wish. At 3 a.m., Meredith shook me awake. Dan, we've got to go to the hospital. My water just broke, she said. The exam had started. Really? Oh, shit, okay, I said. I grabbed a few things. Pants, a toothbrush, my glasses and contact gear, a phone charger, a Chris Farley t-shirt, and tossed them into my hospital bag. Meredith also grabbed hers, which had been packed for weeks and she's way better at life than I am. Our dog, Maple, woke from her deep doggy slumber, sensing that something was different, that we were all stirring several hours before she usually got breakfast. She looked at me with confused eyes, half expecting me to slip her a treat. You're going to be a big sister soon, I told her while rubbing her soothingly soft ears. As long as he gives me treats, I'm cool with whatever, she probably would have said if she could talk. We piled into my 2005 Subaru Outback Impreza. I'd been thinking of getting a new car, mainly to have something safer for the baby, but also because a Subaru had a blown gasket and would cost more to fix than what the car was worth. But I was sentimentally attached to it. It had served me well over the last decade and a half, carrying me to and through many important life events. 
Hell, it was with me when I found out my dad had ALS. It drove me back to Salt Lake City to help care for him, then back to Los Angeles after he passed away so I could begin pursuing screenwriting. Then, all around town as I chased those dreams, it was a good car. Dependable, consistent, a staple. So I kept it. Now, I was driving us to the hospital so Meredith could deliver our first child. We dropped Maple off with my in-laws at the Airbnb they were renting a few blocks away. Then, we were off. We hit nothing but green lights all the way there, which I took to be a good sign. I mean, it was three in the morning, so I probably would have run any red that popped up. If I got pulled over, I would have just frantically yelled at the poor officer, My wife's water just broke! I've got to get her to the fucking hospital pronto! Sort of always wanted to do that. But that was unnecessary. We pulled the car up to Providence St. John's Hospital off of Santa Monica Boulevard and into the valet area. That's right, they had a valet. Fancy, I know. Welcome to giving birth in Los Angeles. It was clear to the attendants that Meredith's water had broken. So we were met with a mixture of concerned looks and congratulations as we delicately waddled her into the hospital's atrium lobby. We got in an elevator and went to the third floor, up to the labor and delivery wing. As we went, millions of things started to go through my head. Everything from, I hope this goes well, to, I wonder if I'll be home before my free stars trial ends so I can watch White Men Can't Jump. You're told that your life is going to change when you have a kid. You nod and say, yeah, I know, but you don't truly know until you're experiencing it. It's like when you're going on vacation and picture what the place will be like in your head. Then when you get there, you realize it's completely different than what you were imagining. The dominant thought was related to the fact that we were about to become parents. This was happening. We were going to have a child, a little buddy, very soon. This is so exciting, I said as my eyes got misty. I know. We can do this, right? I can do this, said Meredith. I pulled her in for a hug. She's a tough girl, but that doesn't mean she doesn't need some confirmation that she's amazing and can do anything. Of course you can. You're my warrior bear, I said, proving that I was the most supportive partner in the history of partners. Hell, they'd probably put a statue depicting my supportiveness up in front of St. John's. We've got this, I added, with as much confidence as I could muster this early in the morning. You've got this. Ding! We arrived on the third floor, where tired, new, or expecting parents were wandering the halls like zombies while nurses scurried about, making things easier and better for everyone. A nurse who looked and sounded just like Frances McDormand's character in Fargo checked us in. We'll call her Frances. I sort of wanted to take her mask off just so I could confirm that it really wasn't the Academy Award-winning actress researching a role as a delivery nurse. Frances ran through what seemed like a thousand questions, so many that I was worried that she'd still be asking them while Meredith pushed out the baby. She sprinkled hun and tough cookie and okie-dokies and other Midwestern phrases in as she asked the questions. Okie-dokie, what time did your water break then, hun? she asked. Around 3 a.m., said Meredith. And how about contractions? Are you having any, hon? Not yet. I don't think. I might be, though, said Meredith. What level of pain are you in right now, then, hon? Zero to ten. Ten being excruciating. Probably around a zero to one, said Meredith. Wow, you're a tough cookie there, hon, said Francis. 
After the question barrage and a cervical inspection, it was determined that Meredith had only dilated about one centimeter. They'd thus start her on IV medication to speed up that dilation. We're going to get your contractions stronger and longer, hon, said Frances as she hooked up the medicine pouch to the IV rack. I wanted to make a stronger and longer dick joke. I tend to increase the crass joke frequency when I'm anxious, my medicine, if you will. But I refrained, showing dad-like maturity already. It generally seemed like this wasn't the place for even light levity. The delivery room is where you focus all your energy and attention on survival. Hell, I half expected there to be a no-fart-joke sign on the wall. What time are we looking at for the delivery? I asked instead of saying the dick joke, trying to sound like a real person. Probably late evening, hon, but could be into the early morning, said Francis. Wow, that's a long time from now, I said. I was slowly coming to terms with the fact that I might not get a watch white men can't jump in the comfort of my own home anytime soon. My life really was going to be different. It's not like in the movies where the water breaks and you're racing and going to labor straight away there, hon, added Francis. I write the movies. That's up to me, I wanted to say like I was some sort of screenwriting god. Got it, I actually said. Any more questions for me then, hon? said Francis. Yeah, are you Francis McDormand in disguise prepping for a role? I wanted to ask. But instead, we shook our heads and waited for the next step. The next step was waiting for Meredith to start dilating to 10 centimeters and for her contractions to get stronger and longer, as Francis put it. But it shall go smoothly. Everything is normal, on track, she said. And bonus, it would appear the uterus is cooperating there, hon. I did a little fist bump after that, marking the first and only time in my life that I've done a fist pump after someone said, the uterus is cooperating there, hon. Francis showed us into another room, the place where the actual delivery would take place. It was bigger than I was expecting. Nice, even. I mean, it wasn't the Four Seasons, but I was pleasantly surprised. The room even had a westward-facing view of Santa Monica. If the marine layer wasn't so thick this time of year, we probably could have seen the Pacific Ocean through the palm tree-littered skyline. Thus began the waiting period. The cafeteria opened, so I grabbed a coffee. Then we called or texted our families to let them know that we would have a baby by the end of the day, assuming everything went to plan. I was frantically trying to get hold of my mom back in Salt Lake City, but she has trouble getting to sleep, sometimes staying up all night so she often turns her phone off and snoozes through the mornings. Her phone was currently off. I wanted her here, though. My mom had battled through 136 chemotherapies so she could be present for moments like her grandchildren's birth. I wanted to give her that moment, pay her back for all she had been through to stay my mom, for all the energy, love, and resources that went into giving me a chance at a good life. With my dad super dead from Lou Gehrig's disease, She always said that she had to love all her grandchildren for both of them. She had kept that promise with her other seven. But I was her favorite child by a long shot, so my kid instantly mattered the most, I assumed. I checked to see if anyone else from my family had texted back. No one yet. It was still too early. Eventually, my mom called. She was just getting up. She booked a flight and headed to the airport so she could be here for the birth. Meanwhile, they brought in some disgusting hospital breakfast that Meredith couldn't eat because of all of the medication she'd likely be on. So my fat ass scarfed it down. 
I took note of how worthless I felt in the delivery room, throughout the whole pregnancy, really. I felt like I wasn't adding anything or helping in any way. I was just some pot-bellied lug there sucking down hospital bacon with dick jokes on the tip of my tongue, giggling along to funny phrases like Beavis and Butthead might. Meredith was doing all of the hard work, the MVP of our lives. Meredith's contractions were getting stronger and longer, just like Francis suggested they would, but they still were tolerable, somewhere in the three pain level. Since we had some time to kill, we started dicking around some, trying to get all of our jokes out of our system before shit took a turn for the more serious. I took selfies of me smiling and looking relaxed while Meredith pretended to struggle in the background. Then, I sent them to the fam with the caption, Labor is super easy! I had picked up a bag of Doritos from the cafeteria when I had done the coffee run earlier, so we made a goof Doritos commercial. I lifted the bag into the frame and said, This childbirth is sponsored by Doritos. Contract your flavor. Soon, Francis's shift was over, so they brought in the day nurse, a sweet and calm blonde-haired British woman with a gentle tone and touch. I couldn't see her face under her mask, but her accent reminded me of Princess Diana, so we'll call her Princess Di. Francis filled Princess Di in on Meredith. Man, Meredith has one tough cookie. So far, everything is extraordinarily average, and that's not an insult, Meredith. Average is great in these situations. We want average, hon, said Francis. Great, I'm pro at being average, I said, dusting Dorito crumbs off my fingers feeling like maybe I should just tuck myself into a corner and shut the hell up for the rest of the day. I eased back into one. So then Princess Di took over as we got ready for the second half of our crazy day. This has been Peter Pan Man Dan, a Mangano Movies and Media podcast. Thanks for listening.